You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, y'all. Spooky season is here. And if you're looking for a show to whet your appetite for a little haunted history then I'd like to invite you to check out Southern Gothic, a chart-topping history podcast that explores some of the most infamous legends, folklore, ghost stories, and hauntings of the American South. We've covered all sorts of stuff from the Bell Witch of Tennessee to the disappearance of the Confederate submarine, the H.L. Hunley, not to mention our deep dives into the local lore of some of America's oldest and most haunted cities like New Orleans, Charleston, in St. Augustine. So, if you're ready for a little good old-fashioned Halloween storytelling with a commitment to quality historical research, then be sure to check out Southern Gothic today. It's available now on all your favorite podcast apps. A quick note, this week's episode of Monster Talk was put together rather quickly and did not get my usual level of editorial cleanup. There's going to be a little bit of cussing in it, as we say in the South. In fact, you'll hear a cuss word in just a few moments now that I think about it, because I'm going to quote Martin Luther. Technically, his cussing would have been in German, but I'm reading a translation. I love monsters. That's why I created Monster Talk. Hopefully, that comes across in the episodes. But I'm also a skeptic, and sometimes I hear skeptics say disparaging things about monsters like, why do they matter? They're not real, or... Yeah, but only an idiot or a crazy person would believe that, and so on. But really, that's not true. It doesn't take much to get people, rational, normal, run-of-the-mill people, to believe in a monster. They just have to see something they don't understand or experience something odd or unusual, and then their mind will do the rest. Take changelings, for example. I used to think they were a silly idea. You, You put your kid to bed, and overnight fairies come and leave one of their children for you to raise instead. They take away your child. I figured it was based on the behavior of the cuckoo bird, which is a real animal that puts its eggs into the nest of other species in a behavior called brood parasitism. But then I read that the founder of the Protestant Reformation, none other than Martin Luther himself, had seen a changeling. I'll let you hear his description. Eight years ago at DeSalle, I, Martin Luther, saw and touched a changeling. It was 12 years old, and from its eyes and the fact that it had all of its senses, one could have thought that it was a real child. It did nothing but eat. In fact, it ate enough for any four peasants or threshers. It ate, shit, and pissed. And whenever someone touched it, it cried. When bad things happened in the house, it laughed and was happy. And when things went well, it cried. It had these two virtues. I said to the Prince of Anhalt, if I were the prince or ruler here, I would throw this child into the water, into the molda that flows by the Dessau. I would dare commit homicidium on him. But the elector of Saxony, who was with me at Dessau, and the princes of Anhalt did not want to follow my advice. Therefore, I said, then you should have all Christians repeat the Lord's Prayer in church that God may exorcise the devil. They did this daily at Dessau, and the changeling child died in the following year. Such a changeling child is only a piece of flesh, a masa carnis, because it has no soul. 
After reading this account, I suddenly realized that I had misunderstood the changeling legend completely. It wasn't some crazy fairy tale made up by people based on a cuckoo bird. It was a genuine but non-scientific response to discovering that the child you've had and had raised so far, which had seemed normal, had suddenly turned into a stranger, unable to communicate, afraid of touch. Well, let's just say that as the parent of a child with autism, it was a chilling revelation, especially if you read how the so-called legends recommended treatment of such children. This episode's not about changelings or autism, but I did want to take a moment to point out that these monsters are sometimes much more serious business than people realize. You probably know that already, after all, you're listening to the show. But I want to thank you for listening and for making Monsters and Science a part of your experience. It's actually quite unlike anything we've ever seen before. A giant, hairy creature, part ape, part man. In Loch Ness, a 24-mile-long bottomless lake in the highlands of Scotland, it's a creature known as the Loch Ness Monster. Welcome to Monster Talk, the science show about monsters. I'm your host, Blake Smith. Together with Ben Radford and Karen Stolzno, we bring you interviews and commentary about the intersection between myth and reality. Now, this episode's way more casual than normal, and I just wanted to give you a quick update on why that is. And this also has to do with the recent lag in episodes. I have started a new job, and I'm working very long hours as we get ready to launch our website. I like to keep Monster Talk a non-commercial project, but if you're curious about my day job, I'll be posting a little bit about it on my Twitter feed. Uh, that's Dr. Atlantis at Twitter. We have a lot of awesome topics to cover in the future, and there's no shortage of monsters. So as soon as my time becomes free again, we'll pop back with more regularity. So thanks for bearing with me on this, because I am really excited about it. Monster Talk. So today we're talking with Brian Thompson of the James Ridney Educational Foundation. And Brian, you're the field coordinator for the JREF? Yeah, that is a term that means nothing to most people. So I'll briefly explain it. Uh, it's it's outreach. I'm in charge of, of reaching out to the skeptical community. So I talk to local group leaders from all over the world about how they can help educate people about skepticism and do activism in their community and get together and have fun. And That's cool. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it's pretty good. I could be working in construction, uh, walking beams and skyscrapers and stuff, putting those together, which is would be a terrible job for me because I'm afraid of heights and I'm also afraid of uh, carrying my lunch in a, a little pail. Tin yeah. pail. Do, do they do they still do that? Like uh, sit side by side on girders eating their lunch? According to the photos at my pizzeria, then yes, yes they do. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's really where I get a lot of my information. Right. So. <laughs> yeah, well, that's how I get around New York City is by the uh, wallpaper at Subway. It probably is. All right, so you're going around saying words about this amazing meeting. Yeah, yeah, pretty much everywhere I go, I say some words about the amazing meeting. Uh, you've been before, right? I've been a couple of times, and I have to admit, it, it lived up to his name. It's a fantastic experience. But before I go off... No, wait, 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 wait a second, wait a second. It's an amazing experience. What did I say? 
you said fantastic and legally if you say fantastic meaning we will sue mm, i don't want that i don't want that i'm so, just, just fair warning i guess i could go back and fix it in post could i just sort of issue a retraction now and then say <laughs> that i retract my statement sure. about being fantastic and would like to replace that with an adjective that's more appropriate and legally sound that being I'll pass it along to our attorneys and and be sure when you say amazing make sure to pronounce the exclamation point where the i is supposed to be no is it the amazing meeting exclamation point tm no 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 it's just it's the exclamation point is more just emphasis so it's like amazing meeting is it but is it do i have to do is there a tm or an r at the end or anything like that you don't have to say that but yes there is so it's silent it's a silent <laughs> trademark symbol. Yeah. It's silent, but really, really binding legally. Got it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so now I don't recall as much uh, rules lawyer in when I was there, but uh, yeah, it was a really amazing time that I had. Uh, yeah. And when I we say that, together, I, I, oh, no, sorry. I, seriously though, it really, uh, it, <laughs> it I, I, I feel a little bit stupid saying it. It is amazing. It really is. I, the, it's not just the incredible speakers and uh, the sort of camaraderie of meeting all these like-minded people. It's also uh, just the conversations and the uh, the panels. And no, it is those things. It is all those things. I'm just going to redo that whole bit. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 wait, wait, wait. I don't think so. I don't think I think I, I get where you're going with this. Yeah, it is. It's uh, more than just what's on the card. Let me say that. Right. It's yeah. More it's, than what's on the card. You get the piece of paper saying, here's what the events are. Here's what people here's what people are talking. Here's what they're talking about. Here's the workshops. But beyond that, you're going to meet so many people from just uh, what's a word for lots and lots of different uh, diverse. Uh, you're going to meet a diverse group of people. This but, is true. And, and yeah, some of it's the smartest people I've ever met. It's the largest or one of the largest, certainly, uh, skeptics events in the entire world. And uh, and despite that, it still feels very intimate, maybe is the word. It's mm, that's because, definitely the word. Yeah. <laughs> more <laughs> intimate for some people than others. But uh, it, we're, we're sort of it's last year we had sixteen hundred people, I believe, roughly sixteen hundred people packed into the South Point Hotel and Casino, which is a very large building. But still, when you have sixteen hundred people all staying in the same place and, and pretty much everybody that goes to TAM is staying in the South Point or very close by. And uh, and a lot of people never really see any sunlight because there's really no reason to. Uh, you can go outside into the hot Las Vegas air you notice that Las Vegas, it always feels like someone's breathing right in your face when you go outside and they spend their breath smells like a delicious buffet. Yeah, a little bit. It's nice. Yeah. And hot. <laughs> it's like a, a warm, savory wind always blowing in your face. And, and some people don't like that. So they like being able to stay inside the South Point. You got a bar there. You've got. Uh, oh, no, you've got everything at the South Point. It's, it's yeah, an, it, you, there you is absolutely no reason to leave. The hotel. If you don't want to, you know, it's like so. Like last year when I went, I took my wife and we did go catch a show. Sure, but, but 
that was because she was with me. Otherwise, I would have just stayed in the hotel. And, and there's yeah. plenty to do. You could go bowling. You could last year. You could go see a Harry Potter movie. It's amazing. It's uh, <laughs> it's it's really really quite amazing. You and could you, do that this year if you brought a maybe a DVD player. And, that's right. And that's went right. To a red box or something. But I don't know why you would do that. You certainly have time. There's time in the evenings to go do things that Las Vegas has to offer, like go see maybe a Penn and Teller show or something like that. But um, if you choose to stay in the South Point, it, it, you can you can always find someone to talk to and something to do. Like you said, it's a very diverse group of people that show up for TAM, people from all over the world with all sorts of crazy accents and weird manners of dress. Uh, but everybody's able to put aside any differences they might have and uh, talk about all the things that they have in common, which at TAM, if you're a skeptic, is a ton of things. It's just nothing but nonstop, wonderful conversation with wonderful, friendly people. Uh, whether you're down in the the, the Del Mar bar uh, in the South Point or uh, people sort of pack into different corners around the conference area and are always chit-chatting and talking. It's, it's just a, it's a great community experience. And that's outside of, or I guess it's not outside of, but it's in addition to the official programming schedule, which is also extremely significant and maybe the main draw. Maybe. I guess you could tell me. Who's, yeah, well, yeah. Who's coming this year? This year we've got all sorts of folks. You know, we've got the uh, the Tam regulars like uh, Stephen Novella and the other novellas, and they, they probably hate it when people call them the other novellas, right? And the rest, the <laughs> Stephen Novella and the rest. Uh, you have your Eugenie Scotts from the National Center for Science Education will be there. Michael Shermer will be there. Your Monster Talk co-host. Dr. Karen Stolznow would be there. Mm-hmm. We've got Penn and Teller. I think this is the only skeptics conference where you'll, you'll be able to see Penn and Teller. Uh, we've got Jamie Ian Swiss, the wonderful mentalist. Uh, we've got uh, Paul Provenza, the, the wonderful comedian doing a stand-up show. Uh, I'm going to be hosting a comedic uh, game show that is not at all a ripoff of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. called Wait, Wait, Don't Fool Me that you were on at DragonCon this year past year mm, mm. So maybe on again uh, paul provenza will certainly be on it you've got your brian dunning from skeptoid.com you've got your pamela gay you've got all sorts of people the list goes on and on and on max maven lawrence kraus richard saunders and 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 of course uh, james randy himself which uh, everyone loves seeing randy and he loves seeing everybody he's constantly shaking hands and hugging people and doing magic tricks and if you come to tam you'll be able to take part in that and he's actually nice to everyone, not just the good little boys and girls. Yeah, no, he's he's nice to everyone. It's a myth that he's only nice to the good little boys and girls. It's a myth, the myth that he just leaves coal in the stockings of the ones that are bad. Uh, he he doesn't make any distinction one way or the other. He will give you presents on Christmas Eve. <laughs> he's awesome. Wait, who are we talking about again? Well, I forget, but I, I just Charles feel very, Darwin. I feel warm Charles inside, Darwin. right? <laughs> Charles Darwin will be there. Uh, one of the things I'm particularly excited about is uh, a newcomer to TAM, I believe. She maybe have been to TAM before, but she hasn't been doing her show. Uh, Kelly Carlin, daughter of George Carlin. She's going to be doing her show, A Carlin Home Companion, which is about her life growing up as George Carlin's daughter. It's a, a great show, and she's doing that at TAM. There's a ton of... Does of, she have a bit on seven words, my dad yelled at me a lot? <laughs> 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 yeah, I'm sure they're all printed on a T-shirt or something. Yeah, it's it's amazing. Like I I would I was at uh, she she put on a, a birthday celebration 
for George Carlin. He would have been 75 uh, last week as of this recording. And uh, I went to that event and she was trotting out all the stuff that her dad had had stored over the years. He just kept everything, every piece of history he was ever a part of, his clothes, everything. So um, she has all sorts of weird stories and, and visual aids and it's just it's a wonderful show. So yeah, you can you can you can go to amazingmeeting.com and see a list of all of our wonderful speakers and our workshop schedule. Uh, it's just it's it's a great time. It's going to be uh, July twelfth through the fifteenth, and uh, you you really you if you think you might want to go, you might want to go get your registration now uh, because uh, it could sell out. And also, uh, if it doesn't sell out, if you wait too long, the price will go up uh, like any other conference. So. Get in early, and you can seal a deal for yourself. Monster talk. You know, I, I this was so casual, I forgot to put together a bio for you. So, <laughs> well, the, uh, the, fir- the, the first question will be sort of, you know... The, Who are the, you? The, yeah, tell us about why, yourself. Why are you on? How did you get on our <laughs> podcast? What's happening? At least we're all a bit rusty on this right now, I think. And that's my fault. I, I, I've just been... I, I've been working so hard on my new job, I haven't had time to do any recording or anything, so... Well, we've all been doing other uh, things. Tonight's guest... Or, you know, I always say tonight. I'm still doing that. It's like, it, people could be listening to this at 9 a.m. But week. they don't. They don't. They always listen to it at night. You know yeah. that. Come on. This Today week on Monster Talk. This week not, on Not me. I'm doing this week. during the morning. Do you? Yeah. Well, I'm huh. doing my hair and stuff, getting ready for work. So, Blake, just say for, for everybody except Sharon. Monster Talk. <laughs> <laughs> Today, this morning, as Sharon gets ready for work, we're talking to her live. <laughs> I would be doing my hair, but I don't have any left. Oh, so. And I neither does Ben. So it, we're like a 50-50 <laughs> hair mix here. So Yeah, that's that's good. It's even. Yeah. So, anyway, so today we're talking with Sharon Hill. Uh, Sharon has done a lot of things with skepticism, but right now we're talking to her because of her new website, Doubtful News. Now... Many skeptics already know who you are, but for those listeners who don't, what's your background? Oh, geez. I've been with this, uh, involved in the skeptical topics and subjects since probably about 1993. Uh, I was always interested in the paranormal and monsters. And about that time, I, I was out of college and I had some time to start reading uh, more involved literature about it. And I found that the skeptical literature that I'd never seen before was way more interesting than the credulous stuff that you would find in the public libraries or in, on the, the, the popular uh, books and magazines. So I really got into it. And, and at that point, the internet was becoming more of a thing. So I got on there and I remember, you know, the first browser was was text only. And I would just search for, sit all day and search for ghosts and Bigfoot and Loch Ness Monster and find out all these cool things that I didn't know before. And so that was sort of my introduction there was the internet was definitely a gateway to finding better information on these topics. And after that, you know, I just was interested in it for a long, long time. And I don't know if, if Ben remembers the first time we met. It was it was in a it was Philadelphia meeting. You were talking about lake monsters. Do you remember that? I do, in fact. I, yeah. I remember I remember that and then you and I I think we went to like an Applebee's or something and had a beer, if I'm not mistaken. 
No, you're mistaken. Because I had to leave early. <laughs> so. well, you and you and I had a beer somewhere, wherever that was. But uh, tell, uh, tell me more about it. I apparently have a bad memory. I'm thinking that remember that time you talked about lake monsters? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, good. yeah. This is before your 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 book had come out on lake okay. monsters. I'm pretty sure, and it was in a it was Philadelphia. It was a skeptical group meeting, and you talked about you had two talks. One about. Uh, I don't know, myths probably. And then the second one was lake monsters. And I had to leave because I had just had a baby a couple months before. So I couldn't stay very long. And Philadelphia was a far trip from where I live. So I didn't get to see it, but I eventually did get the book. And uh, uh, then I, I started going to skeptical conferences. I got involved with the websites. I volunteered to help write a couple things on um, what was called the young skeptics at the time, became inquiring minds. So it was basically for kids. And I was always interested in writing them about monsters for kids because I know that that's a very interesting subject to them and uh, it was fun to write for an age group like that so I got into that and after that I I, I wrote a couple pieces this bearded skeptical briefs and and things like that about ghosts and I went back and got a master's degree in science and the public it's an education and started writing my thesis, which was about uh, research into paranormal groups in the United States. And that includes the ghost hunters and the uh, cryptozoology groups, as well as general paranormal groups that investigate anomalies and, and Fortean-type things. So I really got into it then. And then I started writing articles and started a blog, started a website. So, yeah, I'm doing a lot of different things. And uh, for your masters then, what questions were you looking at concerning these groups in the States? I was interested in how they used science. If they used it in a very casual way, if they had scientists as part of their investigation groups, if they understood what it meant to set up a research uh, plan and how they were conducting their investigations. So I looked at a thousand different websites. I, I just went totally from what was on the web. And the majority of those are uh, ghost hunting groups. But there were uh, a growing number of Bigfoot groups, mostly Bigfoot. They, they did other cryptid investigations as well, but mostly it was Bigfoot. And there's a declining number of UFO investigation groups and a couple that sort of did everything. And I looked at them all across the country and how they used science uh, in their investigations. Do they use science at all? It's mostly an adjective. <laughs> <laughs> science means um, careful and uh, they act meticulous. And what, the, the conclusions were they acted like they thought scientists should act. Mm -hmm. um, that's a big difference from what science is as a process. And none of them, almost Across the board, there were no real scientists involved. There may have been a handful of wildlife biologists or computer scientists were popular, you know, uh, in these groups. But otherwise, none of them had scientific training. And they never, when they, when they recruited people for their groups, they didn't ask for people with scientific training. All they wanted was people who were interested in the topics, especially people who had had their own personal experiences. That The personal experience was what was driving people into these amateur investigation groups, going out and doing their own investigations when they really didn't know how to conduct them scientifically at all. 
I, I should add for 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 listeners who want to read more about it. Actually, we we published uh, Sharon's piece in Skeptical Inquirer magazine that was an adaptation of of her thesis, and it was a great piece. <laughs> so I yeah, I encourage people who who want to read more about it uh, to check. I think it appeared uh, I think three or four issues back, but it was uh, very good. Yeah, I think it was March March April. Yeah. What's the uh, where can people find that Ben? Skeptical Inquirer Science Magazine. It's uh, available in better bookstores. If the bookstore you're in doesn't carry it, it's not a better bookstore. Um, <laughs> it's um, it's around and about. You can get it uh, online. Um, you can order it. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's around. Uh, Psychop.org, I think. I I've, I I sometimes write for it or something, and and, and you know, whatever. Cool. And in supermarkets. We'll put yes. a link if we can well, find. Oh, the, that's well. National Inquirer. Sorry. <laughs> yes, it's very <laughs> well, Sharon. I was going to ask you. We'll throw a link to that in the show notes. I'm going to say that. We're going to put a link in the show notes. Go ahead. Put it in the show notes. <laughs> so, did you? I was curious about the follow up to it. Um, did when you when you were inquiring these groups and you know asking them, you know, dear dear ghost hunters of Akron, you know, what's your what's your understanding of science? Um, what sort of answers did you did you was were they sort of defensive about it? Did, did they rec- did they realize that you were probably not going to be taking a very positive view of their lack of science, or were they like? Oh, Oh yeah, we do. We have EMF detectors. You know, they. What, what would you know? Uh, I, I assume that they they didn't think there was anything wrong with that. Um, I was a, a little bit more subtle than that. I <laughs> I didn't want them to know that I was looking at this from a skeptical viewpoint. I wanted to be neutral, right? Because I was pretty sure that they were going to give me a different answer if I looked like I was critical. So I I. I really wanted to get a big data set, so that's why I went through a thousand of them to get a really good cross section to get a feel of it. But about thirty of them that distinctly used very scientific terms, whether it was in their name, you know, we're the scientific ghost investigation group, or they it was it was very um, blatant on their site that that was what they were relying on to draw people in and and get them to. Uh, increase their credibility. They looked credible by using that mm. word. So the, I took about 30 of those and I emailed them individually and asked them, what is it about your group that's scientific? Do you have any scientists on board? Uh, can you explain so, some of the ways that you, you use science in your investigation? Mm-hmm. Eight replied. Yeah. <laughs> Which is not bad. Some right. were very, they didn't want to talk. They're like, who are you? What, what are you doing? And others would say they did get defensive. I teach this, I teach these courses to, you know, interested individuals and we do, we do good science and all this stuff. And they didn't give me any details. And a few, maybe three or four were very detailed and helpful. And the more that I asked them about it, the more they said, well, we're not really trained scientists, but we're trying to do the best we can. We're trying to be careful. We're trying to be meticulous. We're trying to be systematic in what we do, which is not science. It's science-y, you know, and right. it, wasn't, it wasn't rigorous. It, right. They thought it was rigorous, putting out all their equipment every single time in a very um, – uh, it, was, it was definitely a meticulous, careful way. But you could you could do that with any pieces of equipment. It's not scientific. But the, the equipment was the one thing that really did stand out as them feeling very scientific. Mm-hmm. The, the, so, the gadgets and the gears did it. Very much. 
And so where were they getting their exposure to science or their interpretation of science? Where was, was that coming from? I was hoping I, I didn't guess the answer beforehand, but it turns out it was true. And I did find a, a reference on this. They're getting it from television. They're mm -hmm. getting it from the ghost hunters on TV. Very much so. so. No <laughs> doubt about it. They, they, they mimic what they see on TV as being good ghost hunters, good investigators. I, I think that was kind of a, a major factor in the, the creation of this show was because I was seeing a lack of scientific and skeptical qualities in any of the topic investigations, right? So whether it was ghosts or monsters or UFOs. So I, I you know, we don't really do UFOs very much on this show. Occasionally we'll talk about aliens. But I, what did you take anything away from that? I mean, I, I know one of the topics I'm going to come up with is, or, or come to in a moment is about your website that you're working on now. But um what does the skeptical community need to do? Or do you think it's an action call for us to do anything to help improve scientific literacy? I know we have organizations that do that. What does it mean to you that this is going on? Is it a problem that we can address in some way? What can we do? Well, there were two things. One, I think that some skeptical groups can, if there is a way to work with these groups, do that in a friendly way, and you would definitely get a better result. Uh, I don't know if it's possible. Some groups are not open to that. Uh, ghost hunter groups, especially, they, they think that they're the experts. They don't want anybody else to come in and step on their territory. But it would be great if we could get the two sides to come in and say, okay, we're not going to step on your toes. We're going to do our thing, but we're going to try to work together. And maybe we can come up with a better explanation for what's happening here or we can come up with two different explanations perhaps from from each group and see which one might might make a little bit more sense or maybe we can learn from each other and the second thing was i i noticed that and i don't think that that most of the the skeptical people would realize this how totally dedicated these people are to searching for ghost evidence or bigfoot they are so committed to this. They, they put a tremendous amount of their leisure time into it and their personal funds. Skeptics do the same, but, but in this case, this is for people who are, are, are almost spiritually involved in, in this subject. And they want to do a good thing. They want to contribute, and they also want to help people that they feel are in trouble with a haunting or something like that. They want to do good. They often do worse, you know, make the situation worse, I think, by telling people people that they have demons infesting their house but they want to do the right thing and i think that their heart is in the right place and i think the most important thing is they wanted to be scientific they don't know how mm -hmm. they want to mm -hmm. i don't know how you i don't know how to make that better yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think they want the credibility that comes along with that as well. Uh, but uh, I certainly think there are a lot of people who, for whom this is just a flavor of the month thing and they're just involved uh, in a, a very dispassionate way and uh, aside to these other people who really get into it and, and live that like a lot of skeptics do as well. I think uh, right. a lot of groups are on the way out right That's now. That's true, yeah. In your survey, did you happen to find out how many also want to be on TV? Oh, <laughs> a lot. 100%. <laughs> yeah, a lot. We're, we're pitching TV shows. And, and I mean, what I, what I saw was just from the website. I didn't 
talk to enough people. What I had to do is just take the data from the websites because I couldn't possibly talk to them all. So what I was seeing was the public face of those groups. I didn't get into the the personalities that were involved in, in actual day-to-day stuff in the groups. And that looked like it varied tremendously. Clear. I don't want anybody to think – because I'm snickering about things. The I, I totally understand the desire to be in a, a paranormal investigation group. I mean – I'm in one myself. It's just mine's a skeptic group. It does, but there's not. I mean, that desire to investigate—it's the same passion that drives us. It's just what technologies and techniques we use. I think that, that right. and how we approach the questions. Right. But uh, it's that desire to find out the the answers to unknown questions. You know, the, 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 is there life after death? Are there ghosts? Is there uh, a, an American wood ape? These are all really interesting questions. I, yeah, we have those in common. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, like I said, most of these people were inspired by personal experiences they had that they were confused by or that they wanted to show other people that, that they were valid. And skeptics, we don't often have that. I mean, some of us have had potential paranormal experiences but we think that there's a reasonable explanation for them some people other people are really affected by it and they don't they think it's paranormal that, that's been my experience uh, especially you know when when i'm talking to people who uh like in ghost hunter groups and in cryptozoology in groups specifically where you know as you pointed out many of them are driven by some per, you know personal firsthand experience and um, and what I've found is that oftentimes, you know, they have this experience, you know, they, they, they see something weird in the woods and, of course, they immediately jump to Bigfoot or they, you know, see something weird in the hallway. And w- one thing these these groups offer is our answers. They're not necessarily correct answers, but they offer they offer a, a ready-made framework of belief. And, you know, well, come, to, you know, hey, if you saw a ghost, you know, go come, you know, come to our local uh, ghost hunters meeting and, and share your story. Mm-hmm. And th- that's where they feel, you know, they're among friends. They're among people who, who share their experiences. They're not typically among skeptics, uh, which is sort of a shame <laughs> in and of itself. It's a problem in and of itself. But that's one thing that, that I think that a lot of times gets overlooked in discussions about paranormal groups is is a lot of times it's the sense of community. It's it's friends. It's people hanging out. I mean, it's you know, it's it's Yahoo's you know going out over the weekend looking for looking for Bigfoot in the in the woods. It's uh, it's friends you know walking around the local cemetery and it's you know I certainly a lot of it is there are very dedicated people in there, but a lot of times what I found is that. Um, that we, we get so busy sort of criticizing their lack of, of science in some cases that we forget that in many ways it's a social event. That's, mm-hmm. that's what a lot of people get from it. Right. Amen. Amen. <laughs> and Sharon, you're going to be talking about uh, skeptics and believers locking horns at TAM this year, aren't you? Yes. Uh, I've, I've learned so much in the past two years, I think, about – talking to people of other viewpoints and I don't like conflict. I'm not a, I, I, I just avoid it. But what I had to learn to do is handle it in, in a certain way, because as if, if you're in a scientific field, you get criticized for everything. You get criticized for everything from grammar to, you know, the basic premise of your whole idea. So you get used to that a little bit in terms of a non-personal critique when you're online and you're, you're doing articles or you're doing blog posts, you get a lot of personal um, comments from people. 
And maybe they're not meant to be personal, but it's hard not to take personal. So I had to learn some techniques that are counter to the way that you would normally react, which would be to get defensive and start getting angry about things. Learn how to handle that and, and take it away from the personal aspect and try to see what's behind that person's comment. It's probably not directed at you. It's just directed at some idea of you that they have. So I, I've been practicing that on, on my blog and, and in real life. And, and I thought that I could share some of those things that Tam about dealing with people uh, of other worldviews. And maybe we could bring this conversation to a civil level and agree on some things and then move from there to answer the bigger questions and how we would approach those bigger questions without getting mad at each other. And, and just in case our listeners don't know, we're talking about TAM, which is the amazing meeting, which takes place in Las Vegas, Nevada, every year. Uh, it's put on by the James Randi Educational Foundation, and it's a place where skeptics and scientists and researchers and people who are just interested in these topics get together and listen to lectures and mingle. It's fun. Yeah. And uh, Sharon's going to be appearing at the a workshop on Thursday, isn't it, at 4 p.m.? That's right. And I've got some great panelists to help me out. Uh, totally different subject areas, and it'll be really cool. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, I'm Paul Giamatti. And I'm Stephen Asma. Each week on Chinwag, we dig into the weird topics you wonder about, that you care about. The stuff none of us are totally sure of, like the Bermuda Triangle, Mothman, Consciousness, Philosophy, UFOs, Ghosts, or say Bigfoot. So who's to say that there's not alien species that are Sasquatch? Like I've seen a ghost, and I would hear something walking and breathing. Maybe every path is right. I will accept as a premise that every path is right. That is a face on Mars. Eyes, nose. It kind of looked like Wilson the volleyball. Some people enjoy the waves or whatever uh, crashing, and I enjoy listening to a quantum physics audiobook. I do think there are many things in the world that we just don't understand yeah. and probably won't understand. That's our whole show. So join us every Wednesday on all major podcast platforms and find us on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter at ChinwagPod and Wagon. Sharon, I was going to ask about. Yes, um, sir, go ahead. I was going to ask about, you know, trying, try, you mentioned, you know, trying to bring the skeptics and believers together uh, and sort of having the same, you know, so for, for more of a dialogue. And I think that's a great idea. I'm, I've, I've tried to advocate that for a long time. Although I'm wondering um, what your thoughts are on, uh, on how viable that really is. I mean, if, 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 if essentially skeptics and, for lack of a better word, believers aren't even sharing basic premises, um, you know, you know, for example, a lot of a lot of ghost groups just sort of use the word ghost and throw around the word ghost as if there's some universally agreed upon definition. And of course, there isn't. So how 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 big of an impediment do you think that is that that, you know, that in many cases they're you're just coming from two very, very different worldviews. And not only that, but the communities are closed to each other. 
they're they're insulated from each other completely. There's there's no real way to overlap except in a forum where you're arguing with each other. What I've seen potentially work is going person to person, having just a, a one one to one connection with somebody in a paranormal group where you start a conversation and say, I I, I understand where you're coming from and you have the these beliefs that you're going in there with different beliefs and different methods than than I would and talk to them and get get to get, talk to them on a person to person level not about the subject but but try to understand where they're coming from and in a couple of cases which has happened on the blog uh, people have come in really defensive about a news story that I've been critical of a haunting or something like that and they've come onto the site and they said you don't know what you're talking about and I said look Let's just ratchet this down and let's figure out what exactly did you see and start talking about it at a, at a much more civil level. And they will admit we would really like to have uh, another set of eyeballs, you know, somebody who, who doesn't share the same viewpoint that we have to, to come in. And then it's hard to actually make those arrangements. But it, mm-hmm. if you're in the same town, it might be easier. But I think it, it involves getting to people on a very personal personal one one-on-one level and and establishing a really a trusting relationship that you know you're not going to get stabbed in the back or you're not going to get criticized so i don't know maybe that would work i i wish there were more skeptical groups that would sort of reach out in a friendly way it's really hard though mm-hmm. you just mentioned your blog which is one of the main reasons why i wanted you to come on the show and talk with us your blog is called doubtful news i didn't really think of it as a blog but i guess that's what it is um, what is it and why did you create it? Give me the elevator speech. <laughs> well, it's a unique use news feed. Uh, there isn't anything like it. I looked before I started it and, and I wanted something like this because this is what I would be interested in. I wanted a place to talk about these stories that were coming out in the news about the paranormal and pseudoscience and anomalies, which is my, one of my favorite topics as well, 40 and type anomalies, natural, natural events that are sort of strange and unusual and uh, anti-science type stories. And what I did was I, I started the blog where I, I linked to these news stories and give a quote from the story and then pose either some links to additional information, maybe that would be a, a more skeptical type treatment of the topic, or I, I pose questions that I find missing in the story. There's missing information or there's details missing or something doesn't seem right. So it's just a way of questioning the story and in a critical thinking way. And it's it's evidence-focused. I, I, I want people to come on and contribute their views if they have more information and provide some references or evidence for their, their claims, not just opinions thrown around or, or anything like that. But I started it back in... Um, August of 2011, and I we ramped up pretty quickly, and so we're we're approaching a year in August, and already we're over half a million page views since it began. So oh. I'm pretty pleased with with the response. We we've been getting some nice search results. People, and this was this is one of the main points is when people search for these subjects. I really like them to be able to find something of a more you know, thinking, critical thinking nature about the story. I want them to find something that's not as credulous. And it seems to be working. So I, I've been following the site for a while, and it seems like you're doing you're a combination of things because you're doing aggregation by gathering the stories, but you're also doing some curation. 
very and, much. And yeah. um, and and I was curious as to how that was going because I I look at a lot of uh, paranormal and cryptozoological uh, news sites and I find yours very helpful, very useful. But I have not been offered very loudly a free iPad, so I'm wondering. <laughs> oh, Viagra. Is, yeah, or Viagra. Is your site broken in some way? <laughs> <laughs> we tried ads. Uh, you know the problem with ads is they come up. Uh, with psychics and uh, diets and business venture, <laughs> totally uh, antithetical to the purpose of the site. So we quit that and we started asking for donations and that was actually a better route to go. So we do d- accept donations strictly for s- server issues and, and travel and 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 costs like that, business cards and things like that. But uh, so, yeah, we've we've done away with the ads. We, I wanted to, to leave it as a very clean site. It is. So you could just take a look at everything and just scan the page really quick if and find some stories that you like or go to the categories if, if you're into one particular category. And I think it's a fantastic idea that you, you're running this site and that you're treating these current events in skepticism. That's how I see the site as a news site for skepticism. And uh, I do like the link that you have for were we wrong about something. Mm. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, I added that about a month ago at about the same time where we quit running so many Bigfoot stories, which is a sort of another uh, aspect of this. Uh, I was, because I really like the, the cryptozoology news and because I don't think that there is a good cryptozoology news site out there. The ones that are out there are just, they're just, Trails and trails of garbage stories just to get hits. And I we'll name some, we won't name any names, names, right? No. <laughs> well, there's more than one. They're loaded with ads. They're, they're teasers. I, I just got annoyed. So mm-hmm. I started putting the better stories on the Doubtful News site. And then that sort of backfired. In a, in a couple different ways. So I, I, trail, I tailed that back. And I, at one point I said, I'm just not going to do any more Bigfoot stories. They're a pain. And one of the reasons that happened was a certain person, so he, he was a researcher, but he's not one of the field researchers, was upset at the way uh, a certain news story treated him, made him look like he was lying or, or whatever. So when I quoted the news story, uh, I had to go by what the news story said because I didn't know anything different from that. And so I commented on the news story. Well, you know, it looked like the sky wasn't very clear on what he was asking. Well, it turns out that the news story was wrong. Now, I'm not a journalist. I can't fact check somebody else's story. That's not the point of the site. But when he came on and started telling me that I was, I should have fact checked and I was completely wrong and I called him a liar and the more I tried to explain to him, look, whatever you want me to fix, I will fix. Uh, you know, SNS news station or whatever isn't going to give you a retraction space like I will. You can explain your position on our site. I will gladly do that. You make your corrections and you speak your mind. I will put that on. He just got angrier and angrier with me to the point where he threatened. He said, I want a public apology. I said, well, I, I gave you an apology, and I gave you a forum to make any corrections that you want. Um, I think that's more than fair. No, no, public mm-hmm. apology, or you're going to hear from my lawyer. I'm like, that's it. <laughs> Goodbye. So I blocked him. Well, this was like, he found me on Facebook and started messaging me on Facebook, 
which we did not know each other. So I, w- I was a little bit freaked out about that. And meanwhile, I had other people messaging me saying, you do not want to deal with this, uh, this person. Uh, he, he does this repeatedly. So I cut him off and I, I, I pulled the story and I put a note as to why I pulled the story because mm-hmm. current Bigfoot news is just too absurd to warrant discussion anymore on the site. And um, that's when I put up that page that says, if we were wrong about something, we want to make it right. We want it to be public. The truth. We want the truth out there. We don't, we don't want to, to repeat an error. We want to fix it. Uh, that, that's, that's certainly a novel uh, idea. I mean, it would, it would be wonderful if a lot of the believer sites you know, would say, well, we were wrong about something. Look, you know, we, we, <laughs> no. we, we touted this, this, you know, this blob squatch is a Bigfoot. And it's, cl- it's clearly a moose. And, hey, we were wrong. Um, Fat uh, they never yeah, do that, though. Yeah. They don't. They don't. Go ahead, Blake. I didn't mean to interrupt. <laughs> no, no, no. I was just going to say it's too bad he wasn't as diligent about finding Bigfoot as he was about finding you on Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, it did show that he was a pretty good investigator. Right, exactly. He, was, he, was, he has skills. He's got some yes. mad skills, but maybe not out he's in the forest. guided skills. Yeah. Right. He's using his powers for evil. He really needed some social skills as well. All right. So we'll put a link to your site in the show notes. But if you want to tell people real quick how they can find it for those people too lazy to read the show notes, you know who I'm talking to. <laughs> it's it's doubtfulnews.com. If if you can spell doubtful, I've I've looked at the search results and some people have trouble, but D O U B T F U L news.com. And on Twitter? It's also doubtful news on Twitter. Excellent. And uh, there's also a Facebook page that you could search for it and find it there. As- I noticed there's like this uh, JREF weekly summary kind of thing going on. Uh, what's that all about? Well, the goal is to be to bring the news to as many people as possible. I mean, we're all about outreach and and getting people to see. One of the one of the things about the site is I wanted the skeptics to see how much fringe and weird news is actually out there, because I don't know that they really understand that people read this stuff, pass it on to their friends and think it's true. Uh, I, I wanted them to see that there's there's a lot of these strange stories coming out and it and it bodes well to be involved in donating to skeptical causes to sort of combat the media issues that that we have to face with these kind of stories. So uh, originally this the site I offered the syndication of the feed to skeptic.com and they took it. So it's on the, the Skeptic site as well, which also, it, it takes away from our hit count. But what's more important is that it appears in search results and people can find those stories. That's what's important. And then I offered it to the JREF as a, as a weekly summary, as a way to give them content for their blog and to just show that, you know, there, there's these these news stories out there that people may have missed because they're not looking at all the news feeds and Twitter feeds that, that I am. A lot of stories that I find are from Twitter and a lot of people aren't on there sharing those links or uh, on, on uh, RSS feeds that I follow from paranormal sites. So maybe I'm looking in places that people wouldn't normally look and I'm trying to bring those stories to their attention. And so would you say that you're, most of your readers are skeptics or uh, believers or a, a mix of the two? There's definitely believers. a mix. 
there's definitely a mix. Uh, I think what, what happens is some people will find it through search because they're interested in that topic and they'll find it and they'll come on, especially if their name is mentioned in the story, if it's one of their news stories. If it's a psychic, a psychic will have a Google search with her name on it and she'll find the site and then she'll come on and she'll tell me what an idiot I am. But uh, the the ghost hunters will do that as well. They'll They'll find their names. So... Uh, some religious people will come on the site, and because we have a very strict moderating policy and commenting policy, I will not allow proselytizing or name-calling or long ranty posts. I'll just remove them, and I'll warn people, don't do this again, or, or I'll moderate them, and I won't approve their comments, and they notice that real quick. It seems to me that that uh, you know again being being a fan of your site as well and going to it frequently, it's got to be a hell of a lot of work. Um, <laughs> I, I how much how much time does this take? I mean, this is obviously you know unpaid volunteer. I mean, a, a lot of crypto stuff is as well, but certainly this is. So what? How, how much does this does this take? Well, I am a news junkie, you know, so I'm looking at the stories anyway. So I have like bookmarklets that I could use when, when whatever media I'm using and I'll, I'll send the story to the site in a draft form and, or I'll, I'll write them up. And I'll, all I really have to do is once I read the story, just quote the pertinent parts. And because I've, I've, I, I, I've read so much and I've been around, you know, these skeptic sites for so long, I kind of know, where to go to get a good link or if I have questions I know where to go to get some additional information I, I use a special Google search uh, a, a engine that that can pull just from the skeptical sites to school so I could, I could get that information really really quick so it really doesn't take that long to do the stories sometimes I will just throw the stories into draft and I have my my co-editor my, my awesome co-editor and support Torkel Odegaard help me out and he'll write up the story for me as well, and I'll add commentary or something. So it does take a couple hours per That's, day. Yeah, he, he, it's cool because he can put extra umlauts in, <laughs> so <laughs> or jokes, or well, sometimes I have to edit what he writes because yeah. it's snarky. Oh Charged no! <laughs> so it's all about the tone. Okay, well let's let's talk Snarks about the puns. The, so, <laughs> let's actually talk about the news a little bit. Uh, you, you run a new site. What can you tell us about what's up with Bigfoot? What's Bigfoot up to? What's going on with Bigfoot? Well, like I said, it's crazy. Bigfoot news is just crazy. Since the, uh, the show Finding Bigfoot has gotten popular, it's just ramped up the interest in Bigfoot totally as, as, a, as a subject area. And I think it's really brought a lot of people into it either as a, you know, they're looking for a little bit of cash to, to market Bigfoot, either on their, their website or at merchandise or tours or whatever. So it's, it's really gotten a whole lot of attention. So a lot of these stories are coming out. There's a tremendous amount. Every day there's new videos and, and new pictures, and I've learned to ignore those because they're all terrible. Once in a while, there comes a decent story that actually has some substance to it. Either there's evidence or... Um, there's been a, a proposed project or like the, the recently there was that one proposed by Oxford University to collect DNA evidence. And that was that was big news because Bigfoot's being taken seriously. And there was the, the good story a, a few months back about uh, the scientists being called to Russia to look for Yeti evidence. And not only was that a good Bigfoot big Yeti story, but it had a whole other backstory 
that was interesting about tourism, trying to bring people into this area of Siberia where they were promoting the Yeti as tourism. And I thought that, that, that's fascinating to me, the idea of paranormal tourism, bringing people in to your town or to your city so they could experience something that they wouldn't be able to experience in their own town in a paranormal sense. I thought that's really interesting. And I think that a lot of lake monsters are, are that effect as well. So the, the Bigfoot thing is, is a lot about money these days and a lot about egos and notoriety. And I got real sick of it. So that's why I'm tailing it back. But we're waiting. Uh, a few months ago, I, I posted a blog. It was sort of like a commentary on the news site. I said, produce your evidence. You've made big promises. Now produce it. And we're waiting. So that's the story on Bigfoot. We're waiting. Yeah, that's what I've been doing. <laughs> we're all waiting. We're getting and, old. <laughs> and so aside from Bigfoot, what are some of your favorite crypto-related stories from the past year? Oh, I love I love weird animal stories. I I love stories where people think they've seen something. Like lately, the latest story was that people thought they saw a tiger in their neighborhood, and two people appears that they were independent witnesses that they saw this big cat in their neighborhood in in Washington State, and it caused a lot of people to come out and uh, the, the police and, and emergency personnel to go and look for it. This happened a couple months back when when kids said they saw a gorilla. Uh, snaking around down in, in the south. I mean, it's just these stories are they're so amusing because it's about perception, and it's not really a monster. It's it's about people's perception of what could be dangerous out there in in their backyards. Uh, another recent one about somebody who who took pictures of a cat in their backyard and said it was a cougar. It's a tabby cat, but it made the news, and everyone looks at these pictures and says. How could somebody have have taken this picture and thought it was anything other than a domestic cat? Well, he was kind of large, but it's about perception, I was, think. Was it like a forty-year-old cat dating like a twenty-year-old? <laughs> <laughs> the, the pictures were labeled cougar. Oh, got it. Okay, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, other than that, I, yeah, I just love weird animal stories. I, I, I wrote a piece for another blog about hairless creatures, how we're fascinated with anything that's hairless, these hairless carcasses that wash up on the shore. And I love those stories, the, the, the thing that washes up on the beach that nobody can identify. Those are great. And like, then I like just wait. <laughs> yeah, and I just wait for Darren Nash to come around and, and identify it. Yeah, yeah. Well, they throw me back in the water. They're worried. <laughs> and well, Darren recognized ha- me from across the room. So. Yeah, but Blake, you're not hairless. Uh, that's true. <laughs> I'm clearly a mammal of some sort. So. Well, Sharon, I'm not going to let you off the hook on, on Bigfoot again. I Because I, I know there's been at least two or three that I can think of off the top of my head. Uh, cases in the last, I'm going to say, six or nine months of big you know promised breathless promises of of you know just just wait and see next week next month we're going to finally have bigfoot dna evidence there's uh, dr melba ketchum there's uh, there's a couple other ones there was a, a the olympic you know, project yeah 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 tell give us give us a quick i mean i, I know some of them but uh, give give us a quick rundown of some of those stories well here's what i thought was weird i mean for for decades the cryptozoologists had al- always said there was no funding to go out and do these types of projects well, now they're getting some private funding 
to actually do these projects and they, the money is there for them to go out and do it well. And we're getting nothing but secrets. It's just like it's coming or there, here's a teaser. And we had that picture a couple Gee, that this must have been the end of last year, very very early this year, of the Sasquatch that was supposedly a Sasquatch, it was a black and white picture, of this very furry thing sleeping in the woods. She had a name, and it, the name escapes me right now. I, I can't remember, but they had named it, and they'd said that they were promising to have up-close video of her when she was awake. And, you know, investigating the camera. And it was definitely a teaser. And it's been years that that project has been going on. <laughs> and we've got nothing. Okay. We've got nothing. And I, I just, I, I can't, I, this, this may not be true. I just can't have a feeling it's like an investment scam. Give me some more money and I'll produce this project. And it never shows up. Um, the Ketchum stuff went really, really weird when she started to take pictures of sticks in the woods and saying she was seeing these things, mm-hmm. um, it, it's, it's, it, I will visit the Bigfoot forums. <laughs> She's apoplectic, Blake. I have to agree with her. It's one of the weirdest things in the world. She's like, I feel so <laughs> lucky to be able to watch a, a family of five Bigfoot wander around. I, and it's like, I don't need to take pictures of them. It's just, I feel really special to be able to see this. I, mean, I would feel special, too. Uh, <laughs> I tried to give her the benefit of the doubt from the beginning. I, yeah. She's a scientist. She must have something. We're going to listen to what she has to say. And I go to these Bigfoot forums, and I watch. I don't usually participate because that doesn't usually work out too well. But I watch bo- what these people are. They believe because they have their own own sense of evidence and they may have had their personal experiences. They are very critical of her. Even the believers are becoming extremely critical of her. Mm. Very strange. In Ketchum's case in particular, it it is good and skeptical to point out that even though she says she's able to, apparently at leisure, watch Bigfoot, a family of five or whatever, wander around in the woods, that doesn't mean her DNA uh, techniques are bad or anything – What's more troubling to me is that um, we haven't seen the results, and mm-hmm. and and there's been a lot of um, uh, excuses and delays and other things. But uh, adding stories like that, like this, is the ease with which I can capture Bigfoot in my eyes, but I can't pick up the camera and take a picture with a camera. It seems that's that's disturbing to me. It's disturbing to me. I can understand that scientific papers do take a long time and various edits, and especially with this type of topic. I imagine it's quite controversial for, for reviewers to have to look at this thing, but it is, it is very strange. And, and besides that, that, that basic thing of, of getting the paper published, there's, again, an extremely weird backstory of how the samples were collected, and if something was, if Bigfoot was shot, and if a, if you know pieces were collected off of Bigfoots that were shot, it's just weird. <laughs> it Very reminds strange. me of the the Raelians and their cloning claims. Yeah, years ago. Right. You don't or know. You don't the, know what to think of these people. Yeah. Even, yeah. The George, even the Georgia Bigfoot body in the freezer. It's just. It's just. It's just amazing. You see the same pattern. Uh, you know. Um, we've we've all been following crypto stories for years now, and it's funny. Is like for, for 
a lot of people they they just latch onto the latest story. They don't have any perspective. They don't realize that these same claims, you know, this, this is like 1995 all over again. This is mm. we're seeing the exact same stuff. It's like, dude, this is, you know, we were there the first time that they claimed that they have this, you know. And I have to explain that to people. It's like, oh my god, did you hear they have Bigfoot DNA? I'm like, really? Again? <laughs> oh, awesome. Good. Reinventing the crypto wheel. Exactly. And and they they'll say like, well, why would these people lie? Oh, come on. You know, I think people fail to realize that even if there's no money involved, there's a lot of prestige in having your name uh, involved with these kind of stories in the news, you know, mm-hmm. and getting attention and get right. 15 the, minutes of fame. I should have said attention right. instead of prestige. But people people find, um, you know, people's value systems can be very different from your own. And, and it, it's really hard to say what would make someone do a hoax. But they do. Right. They yeah. certainly do. Yeah, that's one thing we know exists. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So changing gears just a little bit, mm-hmm. um, has the zombie apocalypse begun? Because it seems like maybe the zombie apocalypse has begun. Is that weird? Yep. I, it's like a zombie flap. You know, like when you see the UFO flaps and then everybody starts seeing UFOs. Mm-hmm. It's sort of the, the way it feels to me. Everybody's sort of doing a cannibal thing now. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's all a metaphor for the uh, the, the media. Myself, Ben, I bet you have an in, uh, a theory on this, right? <laughs> on the zombies? Yeah. yeah. We saw the article. Well, uh, you talking about the the original Haitian zombies or just the, the no, 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 the, 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 the pop culture. <laughs> yeah. the, the the thing the thing that happens when the news has a story about a man eating another man's face and then yes. suddenly and suddenly all the other newspapers see oh my gosh look how many hits they're getting we better find some stories like that <laughs> that at yeah. least that, that's what i think's happening well you know what what happened is i i, I got a i got an email from uh, discovery news like last week uh, you know who i write for and and they said you know can you write you know there's this, can you write about a zombie apocalypse <laughs> and I wrote back. I said, I said, I said, this is bullshit. I mean, I, I said, I, you know, I read the stories. I said, there's nothing, you know, you know, we we have, you know, this this alleged cannibal, you know, the guy who's high on on uh, on bath salts, whatever it was, <laughs> and uh, and you know, he wasn't he wasn't consuming the guy's face. He was naked. He had no weapons on his. I mean, so it's like you you have this 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 colonel that even has nothing to do with zombies. It's only vaguely related to cannibalism. And of course that's immediately turned into this whole thing. And it's, uh, it's just amazing how the media does that. And, uh, you know, I mean, it's, it, at this point it's predictable, but it's just, it's just bizarre. And, and frankly, you know, I mean, yeah, it's all fun to, you know, joke about the zombie apocalypse and this and that, but you know, that it's, it's important to remember that, that there's real cases here. I mean, there, there was a man that was killed. Um, you know, this is, this is, you know, the, the man had friends and family and things like that. And so, you know, it, it's all, it's all well and good to sort of, you know, have this pop culture meme, meme about zombies and cannibals, but, um, you know, it, the, there's, there are real victims and the, these are real crimes. Right. Because in the end, the man was shot just for defacing private property. Oh, no. God. Uh. <laughs> I did get criticized for putting the word zombie apocalypse in the title of one of the stories that that was very insensitive. But the reason I did that, because that's what the media was, was hyping. Right. They were putting, they were putting the package on these stories and, and delivering them to the public. That's the way they were delivering them. So that's what I wanted to address. It may be, um, I don't know if it's tragic, but it, it is certainly a product of the media 
in that if we don't personally know the person who died and there's a bizarre aspect of the story, the, it, it's, it's really hard to empathize when, you know, in these bizarre situations with the victims. I mean, I it just, or at least I have trouble because they seem so unreal. You know, they don't seem much different from a TV show in some ways, but you're right. right. But, but Ben's absolutely right. They're, they're, a real person died and another real person was horribly maimed or what's the right word? Disfigured. So, um, yeah, both victims. It, both were victims. Yeah, yeah. So and spe- yeah. speaking of that, like there's this new thing about the the hoax virus. There's there's a hoax going on in the internet where there's a zombie virus, and this hoaxer claimed that the person uh, who committed this crime had this virus, and apparently some people believe that that is true because it's you know showed up on Snopes.com and it's going around the internet. Is it is it real? Is there a a, a zombie virus that causes you to act like this? So I think that rational people underestimate the ability of other people to be irrational. And they will buy into these things in the media and pass them on to the people that they know. And it just spreads. It's a meme. Yeah. It's amazing. I I think Facebook is alleviating my inbox a little bit because a lot of people are using that as their methodology for – uh, spreading internet rumors and uh, urban legends and that sort of thing. And it's a lot easier to unfriend someone in Facebook than it is to stop a relative from emailing you. Yeah. Um, but I, I still do get a lot of stuff that I, I just resolve with a quick Snopes search. And yep, that's uh, the best thing. Yeah, yeah it, it's great. But also I think your your service here is, is good as well because you take uh, a more current story. It takes uh, sometimes weeks or months before – uh, the Mickelsons can get the story up on Snopes, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, when you have something where you can immediately, at least, throw out a few skeptical observations about how might this story be wrong, or uh, maybe the coverage is misleading, or is there really as many facts available as they say, that kind of thing. And, and you're just sprinkling it with doubt, which means you're well named, right? Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I think that's a good public service. Thanks. Yeah, I think all of these sites working well together. But uh, I think we we sort of touched upon this briefly, but what's the latest in mangy, decaying animal news? Oh, I haven't seen any too too recently. Let's see. There was – sometimes you see these things come up and it's just like, are you kidding me? This really isn't – this isn't news. This is a fake. Somebody sent you a hoax. It did show up on another website. And I look at it and I try to decide, is this going to – Go widespread. Is this story going to have legs and leave the one website and go all over the place? And sometimes I'm right, sometimes I'm wrong. Uh, I just a long time ago I decided to pass on the story about uh, this woman who had captured a picture on her cell phone of ghosts having sex in her living room. <laughs> Do you recall that? that? Do you recall yeah, that? Yeah. yeah. I I passed on it because I said, that is so stupid. I'm not going to put that up on the website. And it went everywhere. It just blew up and it became such a big story. And I'm like, oh, that was, oops, you know, missed that one. So, and then I've had some that I've put up, like I said, that have backfired and just, it's they've just been too stupid and they, they haven't gone anywhere. But uh, I haven't seen any animal, uh, weird animal carcasses show up for a while that meme has passed we're not seeing that come up as as much anymore that was a big deal for like two years where every mm-hmm. uh hairless dead thing was a chupacabra give it some time summer's here bloating That's begins true. yeah it's yeah. so <laughs> cyclical 
Yeah, I'm just waiting. Yeah. Well, it seems like it seems like your your two main interests are cryptozoology and ghosts, if I'm not mm-hmm. mistaken. What uh, what is it that attracts you about those instead of you know UFOs or psychics or other things like that? I mean, ever since I was a kid, I would read read books on monsters. You know, you're always in the zero zero one section of your library, and <laughs> I'd read all those books, and uh, UFOs scared me for a while when I would read like Whitley Strieber's books and I got a little scared about those and then that passed. And then, uh, and UFOs seemed too technological to me. And that I always, I I really like animals and of course I'm a scientist. So I was always one for bug collecting and, and animal watching and stuff like that. So I think that's what draws me to the cryptozoology. Wondering if there's something more out there that we don't know about. So that's the animal aspect that that draws me into the monsters. The ghosts, I don't know. I've just always been interested in haunted houses. I'm fascinated by it. Uh, But I also really love the natural anomalies. I've done Mm -hmm. a lot of research into things like earthquake precursors and animal behavior before earthquakes and earthquake lights, earthquake sounds, earthquake weather. And then things like luminous phenomenon and mystery sounds. I've I've done pieces on those. So when there in the beginning of this year, there was this big deal about these mystery sounds, and I, I found that amusing. And in the year before that, there was all these things about mass animal deaths. So it just mm-hmm. seems January always brings some sort of horrible sign of the apocalypse. <laughs> Uh, 2011, it was the mass animal deaths, and then 2012, it was these strange sky noises. So, uh, I'm sure the end of this year is going to be wild with with 2012 type stories. I'm we're expecting to have lots of those as well. Yeah, <laughs> I, I've actually been dealing with the apocalypse since the 70s because uh, growing up in my church, they were uh, big advocates for the. Was it Hal Lindsey and the late great planet Earth and that whole yep. uh, millennium, millennial, millennium, millennialism, <laughs> millennialism? Yeah, yeah. So uh, it, it, I, I mean, it's in Georgia at least. I mean, I, I a year doesn't go by, maybe a, a season doesn't go by where someone I personally know in my family or or, or here on the street mentions that it looks like the end of times are here. And this is, has nothing to do with the Mayans in 2012. It's just everybody's looking for the apocalypse down here. I don't know why. Uh, probably yeah, the, these, heat, the heat, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and these zombies aren't helping either. They're not helping at all, no. Sharon. They're not helping at all. <laughs> but anyway, that was really a question. My question for you, my, I guess it's time to round things up because it's 10 o'clock. I shouldn't say what time it is because it's timeless. It's this only eight. This show's timeless. <laughs> but we like to ask all our guests, and I'm sure you know this already. I know this already. All right. What are She's you wearing? A what? <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite monster? Well, you know, having been a monster fan my whole life, this is a really tough question. But, you know, because I love sea serpents, I've always been fascinated with sea serpents because i think that 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 could be a real thing that's really out there and it could be a number of different types of species that could potentially be out there and i loved the black dog legends 
you know, you had a, a guest on a couple weeks ago, a couple episodes ago. I went out and bought that book because I love Black Dog Legends. They're so creepy. You know, they involve like sort of cryptid haunted demons all rolled into one. A lot of fun. But I have to say, and I think I've told you this before, we, we had uh, a group dinner at TAM one time where we went around the table and asked our favorite monsters. We sure did. That was awesome. <laughs> yeah. And I have to say, I've always been fascinated with the Jersey Devil. Um, I've, I'm in Pennsylvania, so I was sort of familiar with the Pine Barrens and the towns that – actually, Jersey Devil did terrorize Pens- parts of Pennsylvania in, in the big flap of, of 1906 or 1909, whatever it was. And those towns in Bucks County were affected by this creature, and it just it caused mass hysteria. And what I like about the Jersey Devil is he's this weird hybrid of – you know, horse, bat, devil thing, and or kangaroo. I mean, right. people were exhibiting painted kangaroos and calling it the Jersey Devil. He became a sideshow, and I just I was fascinated the idea of the perception and and what people thought was really happening. And maybe there was a large bird that was coming through the area, maybe a crane or whatever, and caused people to react strangely to it because they weren't familiar with it. Um, so yeah, I'd have to say the Jersey Devil. He's he's my favorite. Cool. I think him. he has a a lot in common with the Chupacabra, actually. I suspect so. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of monsters in one. Very much. Yeah. Whatever you want him to be, he can be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It made it even better when when it turned out that there was like a political backstory to it as well. That the formation of the legend of the Leeds Devil. That was something I'd hadn't heard before, and I thought that was interesting. So all these aspects, and people still out looking for him. I think mm. that's that's also really amazing cool. to me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just, just there's really no. I guess that's another creature that if if creationists wanted to find a creature that would have some kind of impact on evolution, there's your there's your monster right there. I mean, I don't think you need to go to Africa and look for dinosaurs because we know dinosaurs are real. Uh, I, but but the Jersey Devil doesn't look like anything, right? No. no. <laughs> so uh, cool stories. Yeah. Any any monster that has four limbs plus wings is yeah. a, is a real serious problem for evolution. Yeah, and leaves <laughs> footprints on your roof. Yeah, yeah. So that's awesome. So cool. Great answer. <laughs> Good choice. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for spending some time with us, Sharon. Thank sure, you, thanks. Sharon. Thanks, guys. Good to have you on. Good job on the site. Thank you. Come visit. Monster Talk. Thanks for listening to another episode of Monster Talk. We were talking today with Sharon Hill about the Doubtful News website. And we also heard from Brian Thompson of the James Randi Educational Foundation about the amazing meeting. Karen, Ben, and I will be at TAM 2012. We'd love to see you there. Maybe we can all hook up for a Monster Talk fan meal. Whatever the case, just come up and say hello. We'd love to meet you in person. We really will be updating the show notes with the producer's page. That's really going to happen. Just bear with me. My new job, which I absolutely love, is taking up a lot of my time. But things should calm down after we launch our website and I can get back to Monster Talk maintenance. I want to thank Robert Smith, James Roach, and Bill Redlick for their kind donations. Our current big project is our transcript work, which is helping new listeners find us and making it possible for authors to quote Monster Talk on Wikipedia and other projects. We really appreciate your contributions. Check out our social media and other contact information on our homepage at monstertalk.org. Come join us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and let us know how we're doing by giving us reviews on iTunes. We are an official podcast of Skeptic Magazine and proud of it. 
the opinions you hear on Monster Talk are those of the people talking and not of the people paying the bills. Monster Talk theme music is by Peach Stealing Monkeys. And seriously, people, thank you so much for listening to this show. skepticism want to learn the truth about the scientific controversies of our time then subscribe to skeptic the quarterly magazine stephen j gould called the best journal in the field to subscribe visit skeptic.com today hey guys it is ryan i'm not sure if you know this about me but i'm a bit of a fun fanatic when i can i like to work but i like fun too it's a thing and now the truth is out there i can tell you about my favorite place to have fun Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.